Hello, and thank you for joining me on Expound. I'm Josh Davis, the pastor at Winfield Community Church. Uh, today we're going to be in Daniel chapter 2. That's where we were on Sunday as well, and we are continuing to walk through the book of Daniel. Today we're going to be talking about what it's like and how to deal with uh, a very bad boss, just a leader that doesn't care about the people he's leading, and how Daniel had to deal with that and how Daniel processed that as a man of God. And helpfully, it gives us some tools and tricks to apply in our everyday lives. If you were able to join us on Sunday, then you already know this, but we were in Daniel chapter 2, and we talked about Daniel having to in interpret a dream of Nebuchadnezzar without knowing what the dream was. Uh, and so we unpacked the idea that the dream and its un understanding typically uh, Everything that you want to jump to is end times and understand what all the different kingdoms mean. I kind of took a step back from that on Sunday and talked about this idea that really what those kingdoms are is they are uh, spiritual kingdoms that are manifesting themselves in the physical. And so the understanding of it really doesn't matter, especially later on in the vision, who and what the... Um, kingdoms actually are. It's interesting to look at, and we'll probably look at that a little more in the next episode, but uh, really just understanding the fact that those kingdoms are the kingdom of Babylon, which have been manifested both throughout history and into the future here on earth as physical kingdoms, and that the main point of that vision was not what kingdoms are to come or what kingdoms are going to fall, but rather how those kingdoms fall and what happens when those kingdoms fall as Jesus Christ is establishing his kingdom, which is a spiritual kingdom, not an earthly physical kingdom. And so really just the idea of when we're reading the word of God, when we're accepting what God has for us, that we need to receive it on a spiritual level, which can be really hard because we are physical beings living in a physical world. And so it's just something that we have to work on, work towards, and really try to start applying in our lives. But today, I want to talk about Daniel 2, and Daniel's boss is not a good guy. It's Nebuchadnezzar. Uh, he is an effective leader, for sure, but the way he is an effective leader is by uh, leading through fear and, to be quite honest, death. Uh, if you don't do what he's telling you to do, pretty much uh, you are sentenced to death, and we'll see that over the next couple of chapters. A uh, little recap on Daniel. At this point, he's uh, likely in his early 20s. So he's a young man. He's got a pretty small social circle. Uh, when he was taken into captivity, it was him and three other guys that we know as Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Uh, they're captive in a foreign land, so they've been taken uh, from their homes to Babylon, and during their time in captivity so far, they've pretty much only experienced a re-education process. So they've gone through Babylonian schooling and Everything that they've been taught is completely countercultural to what they've, they were raised with, what they knew to be true based on their upbringing about the things of God. And now they're faced in this time as young men having come through this re-education process to make some pretty tough decisions. How are we going to live our lives as now likely rulers of the Babylonian Empire? If, if things work out the way they're supposed to, they're going to end up helping Nebuchadnezzar rule, and they're going to end up being uh, 
being men that he counts on to help keep the rest of the Jews in line. And so what do we do? How do we walk through that? It's against everything we were taught as children and young adults, and now we have to make some pretty difficult decisions. Are we going to live the way the Babylonians tell us to live, or are we going to live the way God calls us to live? So here in Daniel chapter 2, starting in verse 1, it says, In the second year of the reign of Nebuchadnezzar, Nebuchadnezzar had dreams. His spirit was troubled, and his sleep left him. Then the king commanded the magicians, the enchanters, the sorcerers, and the Chaldeans to be summoned to tell the king his dreams. So they came in and stood before the king. And the king said to them, I had a dream, and my spirit is troubled to know the dream. Then the Chaldeans said to the king in Aramaic, O king, live forever. Tell your servant the dream, and we will show you the interpretation. The king answered and said to the Chaldeans, The word for me is firm. If you do not make known to me the dream and its interpretation, you shall be torn limb from limb, and your houses shall be, tor- uh, and your houses shall be laid in ruins. So this is pretty stereotypical Nebuchadnezzar. This is, as we go through the next couple chapters and see the way he responds to certain things, it is my way or the highway, and uh, for him the highway is some form of gruesome death. And so right off the bat, Daniel is either still in the re-education process or right out of it based on the timeline that we're only in Nebuchadnezzar's early reign. And so he's very much still in this Uh, brainwashing style of training process, and he is faced with a pretty massive decision. Uh, The king has called the wise men to himself and said, I've I've had a dream and it's vexed me, it's it's perplexed me, and I need need you to tell me what it is. And the wise men, in, in all their wisdom, said, you just tell me what the dream is, we'll tell you what it means. And he responds with, no, 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 the way I know this is going to be real is you're going to tell me my dream, and then you're going to tell me I'm interpretation. Later on, they respond with, nobody could do that except for the gods, and the gods aren't here, so we can't do it. And he says, well, fine, I'm going to have you all killed. Well, news of this comes to Daniel, and Daniel is told, basically, uh, there's a guy named Arioch comes to Daniel and says, hey, I'm sorry to have to do this, but I'm going to end up having to kill you. He says, why is it such uh, a rush to do this? Uh, And it's explained to him, verse 12, because of this, the king was I'm starting in verse 12. Because of this, the king was very angry and furious and commanded that all the wise men of Babylon be destroyed. So the decree went out and all the wise men were about to be killed and they sought Daniel and his companions to kill them. Then Daniel replied with prudence and discretion to Arioch, the captain of the king's guard, who had gone out to kill the wise men of Babylon. He declared to Arioch, the king's captain, why is this decree of the king so urgent? Then Arioch, made the matter known to Daniel, and Daniel went in and requested the king to appoint him a time that he might show the interpretation to the king. So news gets around to Daniel. Daniel kind of says, whoa, 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 we got to slow this down. Don't just kill us right away. We need to come up with a plan. Let's figure this out. What can we do? And uh, he requests an audience before the king. And after that, he goes to his friends. He goes uh, to his friends and calls them together and they pray. This is the primary takeaway. As we're reading God's Word, I think the number one thing we really need to begin to grasp is the art of prayer, the idea of having a a really effective 
prayer life. Daniel is someone who prays, and he prays long and hard about everything. And every time we see Daniel pray, we see God respond. And I really think that we can learn something from the prayer life of Daniel. Even, even the, the, the end of the book where he's in Daniel's in the lion's den, it's because he was praying that he was put in that position to begin with. And so we really need to grasp and understand this idea of what a real and true prayer life looks like. And so I would encourage you to start working on that. But first thing he does is he calls his friends together and says, we need to ask God for help. We got to we got to ask him to show us this dream and its interpretation. Now, why does he do this? Because it's really interesting if you're if you're captive in a foreign land and the the guy who has taken you captive is now asking for your help. Many, many of us would in our infinite wisdom, decide, I'm going to be rebellious. I'm going to try and trip him up. I'm going to try and disturb him further. But Daniel prays not only for his own safety, for one, uh, he, he prays that God would reveal the dream to him so that he won't be put to death, but he's also praying that God will reveal the dream to him so that he can then reveal it to Nebuchadnezzar. And so it's interesting that not only is Daniel praying for himself, but he's praying for his enemy as well. He's praying for Nebuchadnezzar. The next thing that I think Daniel really understands and really grasps that we as Christians could be a little bit better at. Uh, I want to flip over to Colossians chapter 3, verses 23 through uh, 24. And this is a pretty familiar text, but I think Daniel really got this. Even though this text hadn't been written, it is a principle that, that God has given his people. And I think Daniel understood the heart of God and understood this even, even way before Paul wrote it. But he says this, it says in Colossians chapter 3, whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for men knowing that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as your reward. You are serving the Lord Christ. For the wrongdoer will be paid back for the wrong he has done, and there is no partiality. And so, whatsoever you do, you do it as unto the Lord. I think Daniel understood that. I think Daniel knew that his lot in life was what God called him to. I think us understanding through Daniel and understanding every twist and turn in the book of Daniel that God is putting him in this position and Daniel is choosing to be faithful and work as unto the Lord in spite of his circumstances. And I think if we can wrap our minds around that and we can start applying that in our lives, then it doesn't matter who we're working for. It doesn't matter what we are doing. We are working as unto the Lord. We're working as though God is our boss. Daniel, as we will find through the rest of the book, every single time he encounters an issue, he doesn't worry about the king. He doesn't worry about whoever is telling him what is going through his life, understanding that he, he's only judged by God. He's only got one judge, and that judge is God himself. Interesting that his name means God is my judge, but it's, it's just something that Daniel really, really gets, and he models it really, really well. The king says, you have to do something impossible or I'm going to kill you. And Daniel says, I'm not going to do anything for you. I'm going to do something for God. He goes to God. He says, God, please reveal this to me. If it's your will, show me what the king's dream was so that I can interpret it to him. 
And then when God does, he prays a prayer of thanks. He prays a prayer of blessing to God. And then when he goes before the king to deliver the information, which, to be honest, isn't information that anybody would want to deliver a king. Hey, your kingdom is going to be great, but it's going to collapse. It's going to fall. It's going to fail. And then there are going to come kingdoms after yours that are similar to yours, but they're also going to collapse and fail. And someday God's going to come along and he's going to destroy everything that there is about your kingdom. So there it is. No slave, no captive wants to go to the, the leader of a nation who's already threatened on more than one occasion to have him killed and say, just so you know, your kingdom's going to collapse. That's tough. That's not something that's easy to deliver. That's not a, an easily given message, but it's the message that God gives. He says, O king, here you go. Here's, here's your dream. It's a statue made of several different uh, materials, and at the end of time when when jesus chooses to come our our king will come and he'll destroy everything that your kingdom ever stood for and every kingdom that has ever come after yours will be destroyed and it'll be blown away like chaff in the wind if daniel was doing this for personal gain then he delivered a pretty questionable message daniel's not doing this for personal gain daniel's doing this because it's what's god calling him to do so what I want to leave you with today is understand that Daniel had a pretty bad boss. Daniel had probably the worst boss of history. And so when you are considering all the different things you're doing, whether you've got a great boss or a terrible boss, I've been blessed in my life with many, many good bosses. So uh, honestly, throughout my life, it's been really easy and uh, try to want to do well for the individuals who've employed me. But at times I have had moments of bad bosses. And how do you work in spite of that? How do you work in spite of the fact that your boss doesn't care about uh, your faith? Your boss doesn't care about your commitment to the church. Or if you're on a sports team and your coach doesn't care about your commitment to your relationship with God. If you're in the military and the military doesn't care about your commitment to your faith in Jesus Christ, how do you work hard and do well in spite of that? Well, number one, I want you to understand it's got to be done in prayer. We have to be praying about it all the time. We have to be regularly praying to God, Lord, help me work so that people will see you in me. And number two, we have to understand that our boss is not on this earth. Our boss doesn't exist here on this earth. We're not accountable to man. We are accountable to God. And to be quite frank, the standard of God is much higher than the standard of man. Thank you for joining me. I hope this helps. I hope this gives you something to think about over the next few days. And uh, hopefully next time we're here, we'll be talking a little bit about Nebuchadnezzar's dream. We'll talk to you later.